0: Last week, um, Sean brought a picture in and had it put up here on the computer on the screen. And I thought that was really neat. And I had a couple of pictures that I had wanted to bring in myself, but I never got around to them. That's probably a good thing because I'm kind of a sensitive guy. And if you saw these pictures, you might laugh. And they're pictures of me. And that might hurt my feelings. So I'm just going to tell you what I can of what these pictures may have looked like. When I started the 8th grade, I was about 5 foot 6 and weighed about 185 pounds. I was kind of a little squatty plump round guy with horn-rimmed glasses. And from that point to the almost exact same time next year in my ninth grade year I was 6 foot 1 and weighed 175 pounds. So I grew all that distance and stretched myself out in the course of a year's time. And the thought there is the growth, the growth that happened to me physically. <clears throat> you know, God Himself has already determined how much we're going to grow physically. He knows how, high, how tall we're going to be. And we have no control over that. There isn't anything we can do to change our height. We can't make ourselves any taller. In fact, Scripture says that God knit us together in our mother's womb. He made us ahead of time. It also says that He knows the number of hairs on our head. And some of us don't have as many as others. But, but the point is that God has already decided physically where I'm going to be, how high I'm going to stand, how tall I'm going to be. And you know, as children, infants, we take them to the doctor, and doctors have charts and they have all these things that they that they um, test them against and um, they have percentiles and they'll tell us that well they're in this percentile in height and they're in this percentile in weight and we know those things and we want to know those things because we're concerned about how our children are growing, that they're growing right. But we also know we don't all grow at the same rate. Some grow fast, some grow slower. And as adolescents even sometimes we experience what they call growing pains used to be phantom pains, but they're very real, they're very painful. And you can look around and see it's obvious we're not the same height. You know, I think of a college basketball team and they range from maybe under six foot to well over seven foot. They're all different sizes. We're going to grow to a certain point and then we're going to stop. That's it. That's as far as it goes. God's already determined that physical growth. Medical science could do whatever they want to do. Maybe they'll come up with a way someday to make us grow taller. I don't know. Maybe they're working on it now. But God's already decided. But you know, there's another type of growth that I want to talk about here this morning, and I feel it's even more important than your physical growth, and that's your spiritual growth. If you remember, last time I was up here, it was back in January. I talked about God's will and if we want to be in it, what we need to do to be in it. And that is that we need to turn loose of those things that are holding us back. Whatever that may look like. It may be sin, uh, some obsession, it may be bad habits. Whatever it is, we talked about surrendering and letting go and saying, I give up. And let God do what God does best. And not only does He want us to be in His will but He wants us to grow spiritually. He wants us to have that relationship with Him. You and me, both of us, all of us. Years ago, I was in a multi-level marketing company. I'm not going to mention the name, but one of the slogans that they had was, if it's to be, if it's to be, it's up to me. And. I have to admit that that bothered me a little bit. Because I'm thinking, if that's the case, if it's up to me, then that means basically I have more power than God does. And that if He can't do it, I will have to. And that bothered me a little bit. Now I understand the concept that they were after. But it still was hard for me to feel that way and to think that way. Because ultimately... Who's in control? God, not me. He's the one that's calling the shots. So when I thought about that, I thought, that's irrational for me to think that way. That's that's almost ludicrous to think that way. I mean, blasphemy for me to stand up and say, if it's to be, it's up to me? Or is it? Let me clarify that a little bit. You know, you think about the context of what you're doing or trying to do. And maybe being up to you is appropriate. An example. Let's say you have a sales job and it's a performance-based sales job. Performance-based means you don't sell, you don't make any money you go home, sit in front of the TV and watch Oprah, you're probably not going to make any money. If you want to make money, you're going to have to work. It's up to you. If I go home and I look at my yard and the grass is a foot high and needs to be mowed, and I go and sit on the couch and think, "Well, Lord, if you want the grass mowed, there it is. (coughs) It's probably not going to happen. I'm going to be the one that needs to get out there and push the mower around. I'm going to have to do it. And there's all kinds of examples we could go through, but there will be times in our life when it is up to us. I also mentioned last time, um, oh, I wanted to mention this too. The situation that Tam and I are in right now with the little one, King. I call him Chewy. The situation he's in, he's still in foster care, and the rights have not been terminated yet, and we don't know what's going to happen. He may end up going back to his mother. He may not. But there's absolutely nothing we can do about it. Nothing. We have him. We love him. We take care of him. But someday we may have to pass him over. So we can't do anything about that. We want to, but we can't. Okay, last time I talked about a song that I really like by Stephen Curtis Chapman. It's called God is God. And in that song, there's a line that said, God is God, and I am not. I can only see a part of the picture that he's painting. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, God is also writing a book about our lives, each one of us has a book, and in that book there's many chapters. Some of those chapters have already been finished, because that's the part of our life that's already gone by. Some of those chapters are blank, because it hasn't happened yet. But right in the middle of the book, there's a chapter, and the title is My Spiritual Growth, and If you were to get a glimpse of that book and you were to look at it, you may see pages and pages. You may see a few paragraphs. You may see a few lines. If you look real close at it though, you'll notice that it's handwritten. And if you look even closer, you'll notice that it's your handwriting and my handwriting. Why? Because we're writing that chapter. We're the ones writing the chapter our spiritual growth. And this is going to look different for each one of us. We're deciding how far, how much, how long we want to grow. If it's to be, it's up to me. If you want that relationship with Christ and you want it to be strong, you want it to be fulfilling and vital, you need to pursue it. You need to pursue it. And how do we start pursuing that? We start right here with his scripture, with his word, the Bible. He's prepared a feast. Here's the feast. If we want to eat, here it is. It's right there. There's a few points I wanted to make about spiritual growth. And the first one and again is it just doesn't happen. It's not just going to happen. Paul, I say Paul, excuse me, I don't know that. The writer of Hebrews, that was my opinion, the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 5, verses 12 through 13 For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. You know, as a believer, we should all be teachers. And if you think about that, the basic role of a teacher is to share and explain information. As a Christian, we should be sharing and explaining the information of the gospel, the good news of the gospel. And any any facts from the scripture, we should share that. And if we don't understand ourselves, if we don't understand it, how easy is that going to be to share? It's going to be difficult to share. because. How can we explain it to someone else if we don't even understand it ourselves? So again, where do we get the information? It's right here, it's in the feast. He said you should be teaching, but yet you still need to be taught. He said you should be eating solid food, but you're still drinking milk. Now it doesn't really say when this happened, but it's somewhere around the 70 AD period is when this was written. But it appears to me that this group that they're written to has been believers long enough that they should be farther along in their maturity, their spiritual walk, their spiritual growth, and they are. We could say they're baby Christians or they're new Christians or new believers. And if you think about babies, those who have them, a baby would stay on the bottle as long as you give it to them. but they have to be weaned off. They have to be weaned off onto solid foods. and You have to do that slowly, but they have to be weaned off so that they get the nutrition, they get what's necessary for their bodies. And also if you think, as a baby, if, I, if our little one's in a high chair, and I walk up and I hand something to him, instinctively he just takes it. He doesn't even, he doesn't back off and It could be something very dangerous, but because he's immature and because he doesn't understand, he would take it. We need to understand. We need maturity, not immaturity. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, verses 14 through 15, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, may we grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. We're not meant to to remain as children. We're meant to grow. And if we don't feed ourselves the solid food, the scripture, then we won't continue to do that. We won't grow. We're setting ourselves up for a fall. And that brought to mind another song. I can't even remember who sang it or who wrote it. It's an old country song. But one of the lines says, you've got to stand for something or your fall for anything. And how true that is when you think about today. If you're not grounded in your faith, if you're not grounded in your growth, and your spiritual maturity through God's word, when books come along, like we've been dealing with here over the last six months, this Da Vinci Code, when books like that come along and people aren't grounded, they're so vulnerable. And it's raised such an uproar. It's a, it's a fictional book, but yet it's raised such an uproar because people take it and they absorb it and they believe it because they're not grounded in their faith. They're not grounded in their growth, their spiritual maturity. They're tempted to believe whatever you put in front of them. And even some of us sometimes are t- tempted to entertain the idea. We have to be careful. He said the trickery of men, the craftiness and deceit. Because Satan is alive and well, and he doesn't want us maturing in our faith. He doesn't want us growing spiritually. And he'll do whatever he can to intervene in that. Second Peter 3 17 through 18 says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led astray with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we know that there's false teachers. They're coming. They're here. We know there's false doctrine. We see it all the time. And we need to be on guard. We need to be prepared. And Peter knew that, even back then. And it still applies now. That being grounded in the knowledge of Christ in the scripture would keep us from being led astray. It'd keep us spiritually stable, spiritually mature. He also knew, though, that that wouldn't just happen. He knew that in order for them to grow, they would have to be aware, they'd have to read, they'd have to stay in there at that point, what they had in the Old Testaments. But it was their responsibility, like it's your responsibility and my responsibility to pursue that. And again, 1 Timothy 4.7, Paul is writing this to Timothy, and he says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Stay away from the myths and false teachings. Stay away from them. The book's like the Da Vinci Code. I mean, if if we want to look at it and read it for entertainment, that's one thing, but to get absorbed in it, it's another. It's false teaching. We can't be swayed. We need to keep our feet solid on the ground. We need to train ourselves. It's the same thought. We need to train ourselves. And that when you train, if you think about training, you're doing something that's increasing your abilities, whatever that may be. And Stan's not here this morning, but many of you may know this and many not. Here a couple of weeks ago, Stan ran a, a full blown marathon, 26, however many miles it is. And I'll guarantee you that he just didn't wake up one morning and say, I'm going to go run a marathon today, jump in his car and go do it. He had to train for it. He had to build himself up to that. He'd run 5 miles, and he'd run 10 miles, and he'd run 20 miles to the point where he could run 26 miles. It didn't just happen overnight. He had to be prepared physically and mentally. He had to do it. Again, if, it was, if he wanted to do it that bad, it was up to him. Nobody else was going to do it for him, but the point is it's the training that's involved, and we need to be prepared, and I think that one of the Boy Scout models is be prepared. So this is kind of a Boy Scout lesson, too. I'll get your merit badges when we're done here. <clears throat> but thinking about being prepared, you know, if it's, let's say it's 10 degrees below zero, and I walk outside, and I've got a pair of shorts, I've got a t-shirt, and I've got a pair of flip-flops on, I'm going to freeze. It's just that simple because I'm not prepared for the weather. Now. I put on my winter gear, my long pants, my snow pants, my boots, my hat, my gloves, my coat. I'll survive because I'm prepared. I'm ready. I've taken the steps that I needed to. I've taken the precautions that I needed to to meet the challenge of whatever it is. And spiritual growth requires us, us, all of us, to take those steps and to take those precautions in order for us to be grounded in order for us to be solid. You know, Jesus was called the cornerstone. He was the solid rock. And if you know what the cornerstone is, it was the first stone laid in the foundation of the building. The, the, the strongest, the biggest, in the corner, and they built the foundation from that point. He is the ultimate foundation. We have Christ as the ultimate foundation for us to build our structure on, whatever that structure looks like, whatever that looks like. It could be weak. It could be strong. But the foundation is always going to be strong. You know, some of us may still be needing milk. We still may be working up to the solid food, and that's okay. Some of us may be somewhere in between. Key is, if it's to be, it's up to me. It's up to us to do that. To eat the food, to pursue it. Okay, so when do we do this? When do we acquire the spiritual growth? How often? How often does this have to take place? Well, we've got the scripture. Solid food. You know, I've heard Mike say many times, only read your Bible on the days that you eat. I'm going to take it at another step and say, how about if we read our Bible the same number of times we eat every day? You know, for some of us, that may be six or seven. (laughs) If you include the midnight snacks. But that's okay. realistically, we need to be in the world daily. We just do. We need to. We need to be in it daily. And, you know, I'm not going to sit up here and point fingers because I need to hear this as much as anyone else does. But that's what we need to do. We need to be in it daily. And it looks different for everyone. You know, have a routine. Some people, I like to get up in the morning and do it. Some people may do it in the evenings before they go to sleep. Maybe on a lunch hour when we... Lived in Overbrook, and I drove back and forth every day. I had a lunch hour, but I obviously couldn't go home. So I'd bring my Bible with me, and not every single day, but a lot of the times I would go out and read my Bible on my lunch hour because I had time to do it. And that was good for me because there were days I really needed it. Luke 9.23 says... Jesus speaking here, then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. In order for us to live this Christian life that that we're involved with, we have to practice self denial, we have to deny ourselves. It means not living for ourselves. We have to be dedicated. We have to be obedient. And we can get all the strength we need to do that right here. It's right there, the solid food from the Word, the Scripture. How often? Daily. It says, anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Does it say once or twice a week? No, it says Daily. It's a commitment. <clears throat> and you know, this may not take place overnight. And you understand that. Habits. Habits aren't formed usually overnight. Habits are formed over a period of time, whether they're bad or whether they're good. But if you if you stay in the Word and you read it every day, it will become a habit. It will become it will become necessary. And you know, I think about The days that I don't get up and read my Bible in the morning. And the rest of the day is just, I'm all out of sync. I like to say I'm all whopper jawed. I'm just, it's, I'm, and when I sit and think, what's going on here, then I realize, well, you didn't read your Bible this morning. You just got started off on the wrong foot. Something's missing. Maybe your attitude is not so good. Whatever the case may be, the point is, read your Bible daily. You want to grow spiritually? You need to read your Bible daily. Why is it then so important to be in the Word? Why do we need the Bibles? Well, we need to read it every day, but you think about this. This Bible, this is our instruction manual, or you might say an owner's or an operator's manual. Let's just say you went out and you bought a brand new car, brand new, and you sign the paperwork and the salesman comes up and he hands you the keys and he says, thank you, come again, turns around and walks off. And you say, okay, you get in the car and you figure out how to start it and you take off and you're driving down the road and a storm hits and it's raining parentially, and you don't know how to turn the windshield wipers on. You want to find out if this is a bad storm, you don't know how to turn the radio on. Now you've got your windows up because it's storming and it's getting warm in the car. You don't know how to turn the air conditioner on. So, you decide, well, I better pull off, because I need to get off the road. You're not even sure how to put the turn signals on. And when you get home, you go and you get in the glove compartment, which has always confused me. By the way, does anybody keep gloves in their glove compartment? Nobody. Okay. Cubby hole. Well, anyway, you go in there, and you open that up and there's an operator's manual in there. And you can take that operator's manual in your house and you can sit down and you can read all about that vehicle. How it works, how it runs, what the lights mean, how to roll the windows up and down, whatever. It's right there. Now it would have been nice to have a salesman explain some of those things to you, but you've got the manual and you can do it yourself if you need to. You know, we need to understand that when the storms hit in our lives, which they will, we need to know how to turn the wipers on. We need to know so that we can see where we're going. And in order for us to learn how to turn those wipers on, we need to be in this book. Learn how your vehicle works. So you're prepared for whatever may happen. Your spiritual growth. <clears throat> the Bibles are essential to me. They're so necessary as an owner's manual. Why? Paul writes to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3. He says, all Scripture is God-breathed, or some versions may say inspired, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That ought to say it right there. It's, it's everything you need for everything you will need because the storms are going to hit. I will guarantee they're coming. I don't know when, how, how big, how hard, but they will come. And many times we won't even see them coming. We won't even know. We'll be blindsided. Our Bibles are God's inspired Word. And not only will it equip us for doing good work, as, as Paul said, but it will prepare us for the rough times when they come. And I thought about this too. You know, without God's Word, without His Scripture, it's easy for us to get lost. And if you think about when we get lost you wander, you can't find your way. Has anyone ever got up in the middle of the night in their house and went to the kitchen or bathroom or whatever it is and it's pitch dark and you don't want to turn the lights on because it's your house and you know what's there, right? And invariably you wind up bumping into the coffee table or tripping over a toy, in my case, that's on the floor because it's dark and you can't see And you could have very easily flipped the light on, but you were, you didn't need to do that. And then you get frustrated. You get angry maybe because you whacked your knee on the coffee table. You know, the Bible is the light. The Bible is our light. In fact, Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word, and we all probably know this, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If anyone's ever gone camping, which a lot of us have, you take light, lanterns, flashlights, because you're outside when it gets dark the light is gone and you need those. That's a very important part of your camping, is to have light. And you think about plants, most plants without light, what would happen to them? Some of them would die. Some of them just wouldn't grow very well, but many of them would just plain die because they don't have the light. I'm not going to get into the science of photosynthesis and all that, but that's what happens. They don't have the light. They die. And I just wanted to make that point because I feel, I feel that spiritually, <clears throat> excuse me, spiritually again, we won't grow without the light of God's Word. But you know, not only is it a light, it's also protection. We talked a little bit about that, but Paul again writes in Ephesians 6.17, he says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And then we think about when Jesus was being tempted by Satan out in the wilderness, and Satan was throwing all these temptations at him. What was Jesus doing? He was taking his sword of the Spirit and he was chopping those up in little pieces. And right one by one, right back at him, he was quoting Scripture, God's Word. Have you ever been in a discussion, especially maybe with a, maybe a non-believer, and you want to make a point about something and you want to use Scripture and you can't remember it? It just, it just won't come to mind. Or you know, you know of it, but you just can't put it together. That, that can be kind of frustrating for me. And again, the point is, if we're in the Word and we're studying the Word, the Bible says to, in Psalms it says, to hide it in your heart. Then you'll be ready for those instances. In fact, Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says, <clears throat> what did I do with that? Oh, I'm sorry, I don't have that. Anyway, it's talking about the law of the Lord and how you meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. Because it's God's word and it's not lacking in spiritual nourishment and it will be useful. if, If we stay in it, we will be useful and productive for God. We'll stay strong. We'll be fruitful. We'll be successful. God's light is God's sword, God's protection. God's food is the scripture, and we need all of them to grow spiritually healthy. Growth, again, just doesn't happen. There's a, there's a baseball term that says, get a mitt and get in the game. And that's basically what we're trying to do here. We need to be in the word. How often we need to do it? Daily? As much as we can. And why is it so necessary? Because it's it's the solid food that we need to survive. One more point here about spiritual growth, and that deals with faith. Because quite honestly, spiritual growth again will not happen without faith, without trust. Hebrews 4 2 says, for we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith they had the word they didn't believe it was useless it did not help them whatsoever just being exposed to the word and biblical teaching it's not enough it's not enough it won't produce spiritual growth in itself. True spiritual growth is going to come... Let me back up there. True spiritual growth requires not only that we receive the teaching, but we also need to believe it. We have to believe it. We need faith. Just the knowledge, biblical knowledge... It's just not going to to get it done. If we don't believe the teachings of the Scripture completely, we won't be able to lean or fall back on them when the storms come. Because the the trials and temptations, excuse me, will just be too much for us to handle. Remember, God doesn't allow us more than we can handle, and the reason He doesn't allow that is because we've got what we need to protect ourselves right here, and if we don't use it, then we're going to fall. And I thought about faith as a spiritual house. And if you don't have the right faith, it's like the parable where the man built his house on the sand. And the other one built his house on the stone. And the one who built his house on the sand, when the storms came, the rain washed the sand away and the house fell over. The house was not strong because the foundation was not strong. Also, only when we believe God's word does it become understandable and usable for us. If we don't understand it, 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 we can't use it. And we can't pick and choose and say, well, I believe this, but I don't believe that. Because that's not the way the Bible's written. The Bible is truth. Faith is trusting God and trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. Spiritual growth is primarily the growth of our faith. And if we want to build up a relationship of trust between God and ourselves, we need to stay in the Word again. When Satan starts throwing those darts, we need to be ready because he will. But through God's promises and his character, he said he would help us fend those off. In order for us to fight the good fight, which we've heard many times that term of this Christian life, we need the right ammunition in our hearts. And that ammunition is the truth of God's word, and that's submitted through our faith. One final thought here before my close. It's about the relationship between God and us. And if we want that relationship strong, I've talked about this before, and we want it fulfilling, we want it vital, we want it substantial, we need to believe with all of our heart, our mind, and our soul that it will be so. Hebrews 11.6 says, For whoever wishes to draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He will reward those who earnestly seek Him. He will reward those who seek Him earnestly seek Him. So in closing then, spiritual growth, if it's to be, it's up to me, it's up to us. It's up to us to do what God has required us to do. And in order for us to do that, we need to continue to read our owner's manual faithfully every day let's pray heavenly father we thank you for this time to be together this morning and lord we do thank you for the word that you left behind for us father we believe that this word is infallible it is your word it is inspired by you lord it's the truth And it's what we need to know. It's what we need to hear. It's how we communicate with You. It's how we hear from You. Lord, without it, we would be lost. We would be like the shepherd wandering. We'd be like the sheep wandering. We'd be lost without the light. Lord, it comes as our protection through Your sword. It comes as nourishment, Father, to help us grow strong spiritually. Lord, may we all understand the importance of your word and staying in your word as often as we can. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Lord. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.